Ascend with Carrie and Mohan is brought to you by Syntax and Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, our two top Ascend sponsors. Be sure to visit the Ascend website to learn more about Syntax, OCI, and other valued sponsors. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Ascend with Carrie and Mohan, brought to you by the Oracle Applications and Technology Users Group, OATUG, and the Oracle HCM Users Group, OHUG, to talk about all things related to the Ascend Oracle Users Conference, which is held annually in the United States. Coming up, our next conference, coming soon, is Ascend 2024, and it'll be held June 17th through 20th, 2024, at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. In this podcast series, Mohan Dutt, representing OATUG, and Carrie Hollick, representing OHUG, will be talking about everything you'll want to know about Ascend, from how to apply, which we've already talked quite a bit about, education tracks, how to become a speaker after that is what do you do when you get accepted, and how to be a good speaker, if not this time, then even in the future, presentation program highlights, conversations, on the art of and benefits of networking, key tips for exhibitors, and really we'd like to feature that Oracle shows up at our conference in a big way, and we're very excited about that this year. More of that to come. So subscribe to Ascend with Carrie and Mohan wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes coming to you soon each month as we lead up to Ascend 2024. I'm Deborah Grant, editor-at-large of OATUG's Insight Magazine, and for this episode, which is episode seven, we're inviting Susan Bain, who's a longtime member of Oracle Applications and Technology Users Group, to join us and talk about what to do after your acceptance to be a speaker at Ascend. I'm going to now turn it over to Mohan. Take it away, Mohan. Thank you, Deborah. Our next guest needs no introduction. She is an ACE director, a published author, award-winning presenter, woman in tech mentor, and one of the legends in our Oracle community. Welcome, Susan. We are excited to have you on our podcast. Thank you so much, Mohan. I really am, am flattered by your words. I remember um, years ago at some of my very first OAUG events going back to the 90s, I just looked up so much to some of the people that were my mentors in those early days. And it's it's really nice to be able to give back um, to the group and to share you know my experiences and my knowledge. So. Thank you so much. And especially for our audience, mem audience members who are new to OATUG, if you can tell us briefly about your, um, you know, career association with Oracle uh, applications and your current role at uh, Cherry Road. Sure. So as I said, I started um, back in the early '90s on eBusiness Suite Release Nine before Oracle owned PeopleSoft and before there was Cloud and before there was JD Edwards. So went back to the the very early days when OAUG was having events twice a year. Um, so I have been um, the recipient of a lot of education. And, and the thing that I will say is OAUG has always been about the user group and educating the users, and I very much appreciate that. Um, my background has, as I said, been EBS over the years, eBusiness Suite. Um, I continued to work with eBusiness Suite, you know, diving in a little bit to the OCI 
starting to learn more about cloud, but still staying true mostly to my roots on EBS. Um, my involvement with OAUG and the ACE program to me is very complimentary because it's really about helping people and sharing knowledge. Um, but even more than that, I feel like I learn by going through the process to build these presentations. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in, in a minute. But it's very much a win-win because I learn by building these presentations. And then you learn by, you know, coming and attending these presentations. So, you know, it's been a great part of my career overall. I love that. And, you know, I got to get a little bit personal here too, Susan, because many years ago, so I live in Seattle, Washington now, and I used okay. to live in New Jersey. And I, I certainly remember going to a presentation that you had done, New Jersey OAUG. I don't know how long ago. Oh, I don't need to wow. get into that, right? <laughs> but but uh, like, like just- been a while. Yeah, yeah. So um, super exciting for me personally, because I had followed some of your work at the time, right? Looking at your white papers and so on. And, you know, always used as, as my Bible, some of the, the um, forms personalization tips and tricks, mm -hmm. which you, know, you presented that and shared it just a number of times. I don't know how many. I'll tell you that I probably saw you do it more than once and it was different every time because well, always evolving yeah. it. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'd love I think to I have about six different presentations on that topic. So That's I do. I just keep setting more examples. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, I think like, I, I don't know if you know how much that's inspired a, a lot of people and how many people have really used that. And, you know, for me personally, not just as a tool to to get things done, which was really the point of it. But, you know, you mentioned how much you got out of like building the presentation. And I've mm -hmm. certainly felt that personally, like doing things in kind of the way that you've done it, you know, showing people tips and tricks and then learning more about it, anticipating questions and getting more interested. I'd love to hear how you kind of like have done that process over time, how you've seen it change, what motivated you to kind of take an idea and just keep refreshing it. Well, some of those um, topics, I'm a very tactical presenter from the standpoint of I like to give real examples that people can take away back to their organization and use it. So my presentations tend to be very detailed and very tactical um, and very much a almost um, a user guide, so to speak. So I put in a lot of screenshots. It's, it's not everybody's style. Some people are, you know, take it up a level, but I, you know, I, that's the way I like to do it. And some of those examples come out of things I actually had to do at a client or in the early days, things I had to do at the company I worked for because I didn't start off as a consultant. I started off, you know, working for an end user company for the first couple of companies and I had to figure out how to do things. And so those examples came out of that. And in the early, in, in the early days, when I was at an end user company, you know, it was an honor to get a presentation accepted because then you got the free pass. So I worked at a company, for example, um, years ago that there were four of us in our group and two out of the four of us would get to go to OAUG events. Well, if I got a presentation accepted, I definitely got to be one of them. Otherwise, we kind of took turns. So, you know, that was part of the motivation was to get, you know, a, a pass to get accepted. And it was just an honor and it was a way to learn as well. So. You know, I, that that's what motivates me. And now with the new releases, whenever ever the new feature, the release content documents come out, I go in there and try to figure out, okay, they said this is a new feature. How do I make this work? So I'm going to take, you know, the examples that, you know, I see the functional users being interested in. Um, and, and personalizations are kind of functional technical, but the end result is to support the functional users. You know, and I try to pick out things that I think they would be interested in and try to make the example work. Um, 
So that's, like I said, I learn and then I get to share that information. So again, you know, some of those are, are just examples. Some of it, you know, I go to my coworkers and say, hey, have you been asked to do any personalizations recently? You know, what can you share with me? So, and sometimes, you know, I really encourage questions from the audience as well, because I tell the audience, look, if you ask me a question, don't hesitate to ask me a question or send me an email because that's going to be in my next presentation as an example. So if I have to help you figure it out, then there's content for me. So, you know, everybody wins, right? So, you know, it just comes from mul multiple different areas or different directions, if that makes sense. Makes and and if, if I may also confess or share my personal anecdote, like Susan's presentation are more than user guide. I mean, they are truly Bible, okay? Yeah. And they're so detailed, like, if you follow step by step, you can actually do it, like, what has been asked. So, um, especially now working in user companies, you know, sometimes we are faced with some challenges, which may not be as big as, you know, get a consultant to do it, but you need to figure out yourself. And those presentations are, you know, God's greatest gift. You know, right. to to just follow it, and you can uh, pretty much do it yourself. So, uh, and and I'm sure, like me and like you, Carrie, there are thousands of others all around the world who have like benefited from Susan's presentation. Um, so, my next question is on our theme on ascend. If I may ask, um, you have been. A prolific presenter for a number of years and presenting at regional events and also at Ascend. And um, especially for first time presenters who, and, and this time, uh, luckily, we have a lot of submissions from first time presenters. So I'm hoping that there will be, you know, first time presenters, um, a large number at Ascend. So especially for them, once you receive your session acceptance, like what what are your tips or you know what they should follow? And because you've done it for so many years, perhaps you know you can help right. them out. Right. So there's a couple of things I would say. Um, the first thing I do is I set up my schedule to meet my deadline. So I my personal strategy on how I get things done is I block my calendar and I I literally will put on my calendar for two hours, I'm going to get the first 10 slides done for my presentation. Um, so I start by setting a schedule and I'm, I might not know what those are, the slides are yet. Um, the next thing I do is, you know, I, I set up those meeting requests for myself. I set up task and outlook and just like I said, put my schedule together so I don't let it get away from me because I'm not a last minute. I don't like to do things last minute. Um, the next thing I do is work on my outline. So you have an abstract, you know, sometimes we're building on a prior presentation, like personalizations, it's really easy. I do have a couple things out there that are brand new that are going to be from scratch. So if one of those gets accepted, then the first thing I have to start, it's not any different than writing, like go back to high school, writing your term paper, right? Um, so you have to do your outline and you start filling in from there and start making your plan. Um, the next thing I would do, you know, make sure you have like a demo instance, a vision instance, whether it's EBS or a cloud demo instance, something to go to to test out your theories. If it's, you know, examples that you're doing, you may or may not need that. The other thing that I would suggest, especially for first time presenters, is to find a mentor. Um, reach out to the ACE program. 
the ACE um, program, people would really love to mentor additional um, speakers. They'll they'll come and assist you in your presentation and just sit there in case you're like, if you're a very first time presenter and you're nervous, just having somebody sit up there, like you're all keeping the conversation going. Um, that would probably give people some a level of comfort. And, you know, the, that's what the ACE program is about is sharing knowledge and mentoring people and helping people, whether it's an ACE or some other group, some other presenters. Um, I think if you reach out to people, maybe OAUG can help facilitate that. People like me are really willing to help. We just need to be asked. I mean, we don't want to just, you know, call people and say, hey, do you need some help? Because that, you know, kind of sounds like we don't trust in people. But if we are asked to help, we're more than happy to proofread. We're happy to guide. We're happy to sit, you know, through some webinars or meetings with you, Teams meetings. So, you know, get some help, even if it's just at the end, you know, say, all right, I plan to have my presentation done by this date. Can you proof it for me? Or can you provide some suggestions maybe a couple times along the way? So I would definitely try to engage a mentor or, you know, through, you know, there's there's many different avenues that you could get that. So that's what I would do and just like put your plan together on how you're going to get it done. And then you start filling in. I think for me personally, the very hardest part is the first five slides. Once I start, I'm on a roll. But that blank sheet of paper, as long as I've been doing this, is still very intimidating to me. And it, it takes me a while to get going. So one, But once I get going, it, it starts getting really easy. And, and once I get my slides done, put your notes in. When you practice, you start putting your notes in and typing exactly what you're going to say. Um, and then you edit from there. So it's it's a process. I love that. I, I love that you're saying, hey, you're you're not here alone, right? If no, you're a presenter, <laughs> yeah, there, there's just a network of people who are there and all you have to do is ask. I think that's a really right. strong message. Right. And I believe whether you're, you know, doing your first presentation or your hundredth, like what you just told us, like that's kind of something anyone can follow and mm -hmm. anyone should follow perhaps to be, you know, on time and be able to, you know, create a really good content. So uh, what you just told us, like, do you have some sort of a checklist that you follow or it's all in your mind after all these years? <laughs> Honestly, the presenter page on OATG is really helpful for your checklist because it does give you kind of the rules. Um, obviously, you you kind of got an idea if you put together an abstract on how the presentation is going to go. Um, but obviously your outline, then your content, then at the end you start proofreading. Don't forget to spell check. People don't spell check. <laughs> Even I forget sometimes. Um, but obviously the last one is, you know, to follow the instructions on the presenter page, get it uploaded and stuff like that. So, you know, I think the checklist is pretty simple. Um, and then of course, obviously, you know, I start practicing, you know, you want to practice to make sure your timing's right and you don't have too many slides, but then you know, as it gets co closer to the actual event, then I start reviewing and practicing again. And and usually I, I have minor edits after the fact. So, you know, it happens. Um, but, you know, get it as close as you can before the deadline. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And then, you know, also thinking about people that might be new to presenting, I, I think something that's, that's a big step is they've got their content together, right? That's mm -hmm. hard. That takes so much right. time, so much right. effort. They've got it, right? And then there's the nerves about actually speaking right. in public and, and all of that. 
I think you have great tips about practicing it to make sure that your timing is right. I mean, that happens and it and it might not go the same way when you're live. You know, you might speak more quickly and things like that and maybe maybe tricks to slow down. But um, any other kind of specific insider tips that you might have about ways to to make that jump into the first time when you're actually saying it and it's not a mirror, but it's actually, you know, the audience there in <laughs> front of you. Anything that could make it go easier for people. Um, yeah, and, and I'll be honest, the first time I presented, I was so nervous. I was terrified. Um, and as many times as I can say, try not to be nervous, people are going to be nervous. But I will tell you a story, and maybe this will help you relax. Um, you don't have to be perfect. You know, people are pretty tolerant. They're trying to get, you know, keep in mind that you know this information. So um, it's just a conversation like we're having now. And this, the story I want to tell is, Many years ago, this has probably been at least 10 years ago, I was doing a presentation with the DBA about security, and I was covering the application security, and the DBA was covering more the technical side of security. So it was kind of one of those half-and-half presentations. And it's at like 8 o'clock, first session of the morning, whatever day it was. DBA calls me, and the DBA's sick. Tells me at like 6 o'clock the night before, he's sick. I call every DBA I know. There must have been something going around that particular <laughs> event. Every DBA I can find is sick. I, can fi- I can't find anybody to do this presentation virus? with me. Yeah, some kind of you know virus, flu, something. This was way before, like I said, 10 years ago. So everybody's sick and gone home. And I'm, ter- I'm, I'm at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to read these slides. I'm trying to research. And I, I'm not a DBI. I'm just not comprehending what these slides mean. I have no idea. And I'm just like, what am I going to do? So I show up at 8 o'clock. I walk in the room. I said, all right, my DBAs are all sick. I said, so how many DBAs are in the room? Raise your hand. Got 15 people. You all are coming to the front of the room. And when we get to those slides, you guys are going to tell me what these mean. So we had the best, most fun interactive session because when we got to those slides, I'm like, okay, so what does that sentence mean? I have no idea. (laughs) And we ended up having a great time. So, I mean, the point is, you know, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not know everything and engage the audience. Just make it fun. And, you know, if you say something wrong, it's like, oh, well, you know, if you stumble over your words, like, just laugh it off. You know, it's, you know, just try to relax, try to enjoy it, try to remember that you have a lot of knowledge that everybody's, you know, wanting to share and audience has knowledge that you might want to get to and just, you know, do the best you can to have fun with it. And I think the second time will be a whole lot easier. But, you know, I don't, I, you know. The less you can try try to be intimidated, the better. But like I said, using a mentor or getting some people around you to help support you will help as well. And, and what did you just mention about the what did you just mentioned about the checklist? Mm-hmm. Like now I go and look at the you know presenters page. So one of the early times I didn't look at the presenter page and I thought I have to use my own presentation like format and now um, and I wasn't sure, like, you know, whether to use a light color background and dark color. And usually in a big room, dark background or dark themes don't work so well. No. And, yeah. And, you know, when I created my presentation, it was a dark, dark theme background. And when I just go to this room and, like, put it on the big screen, like, uh, half of those things, the, the audience was having a lot of problem. So looking at it from from their side, 
So that's a big lessons learned uh, uh, from what you said. Follow the checklist. Follow the presenter page. Carry your yeah. yeah. For somebody that's had LASIK, yeah. anybody that's had had LASIK, white letters on a dark background are very difficult to see. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. Just FYI. <laughs> Going back to going back that. to the presentation style, I I want to yeah. jump in and say I I have a radio background and one of my pet peeves is people when especially when they're speaking in front of a group is to um a lot. Yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but it literally uh, is sort of like fingernails on a on a chalkboard for me. Some yeah. people don't mind it quite as much, but. I think that's where that practice comes in, going back to Susan, what you were saying, and also getting a mentor to reflect back to you is really accept the honest feedback that you get. And and a lot of it's out of nervousness, but sometimes it's just a habit that people don't realize that they have. And it's really hard to take in the information when every other phrase is an um, um, um. Yes. So, and I have that to work would be on my that one, one request. Well, I've been listening to all of you. Ne- none of you have that problem. <laughs> I really <laughs> so, good to know. You all, you all speak. Myself. No, no, no. You all speak very naturally. And then the one other thing is, it's okay to slow down, which is really a nice thing to know when you're nervous. Anyway, people need to hear the words clearly, especially when you're talking about the kinds of topics that you all have to discuss. There are a lot of abbreviations and acronyms and terms of all kinds and also to be kind to your audience. And, you know, if something is not that common knowledge or commonly used is to really speak out some of the terms. That's right. my two cents, not being a computer person. But and then one uh, one final thing is also modulate the voice a little bit. Some people really sound like they just woke up and can't think straight yet, you know. And after a while, it's really tedious. It's hard to hear. So go ahead and bump up the energy level a little bit and sound excited okay. about what you're talking about. That would be my one other big request to speakers and a situation where you're having to sit for a long period of time and just listen to one person talking. It's sort of just a kind way to interact with your audience. Right. I agree. Isn't it amazing that, you know, no matter how many presentations you do, you can just keep getting better. And all of mm-hmm. these tips I think are, are wonderful. And, and many of them we might forget from time to time and then pick it back up and, and always look for improvement. I have to consciously make myself and remind myself to slow down my talking because I do tend to talk fast. So I have to, you know, start at the beginning of the session, slow down, slow down, slow down, and kind of psych myself up for it because I will just run. (laughs) I I have to admit, I need to have a glass of water or something Mm -hmm. with me because otherwise I I do. I I talk very quickly and I get excited and into it. And and that water (laughs) helps me take a pause forces mm-hmm. me to do it for just a moment, settle down the pace, and then I can keep it slow for a little bit until I ooh, <laughs> yeah. until I reach for that water again and, and kind of pace it back. It's also sometimes helpful to have a co-presenter sometimes for people to, to kind of help each mm-hmm. other and, and watch that pacing. That's uh, yeah. great. So, uh, getting on to the next team, do you have any tips like you, you told us about creating the content. So any tips, especially to the first-time presenters of how to present, how to speak to the audience? 
Well, I think we've been talking about that, you know, slow down, relax, you know, have a mentor, um, try not to be so stiff and monotone, you know, those ty- types of things, practice, practice, practice. Um, if you can possibly um, do your presentations as a webinar, even to internally to your own organization, I think that would help you be more prepared as well. So you could do a webinar, you know, sometimes OATUG has time for webinars. Like I said, if not, at least do it um, for your internal organization. And of course, through PowerPoint, you can record it and go back and watch yourself as well. So I think all of those strategies will help you get better prepared as a speaker. Uh, that's excellent suggestion. Um, only problem I have is I don't like hearing my own voice. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> so if you ask me to listen to your recording where I'm speaking, uh, it really becomes a challenge. <laughs> I think that is really good to add on to all of this. You can always record yourself. And I think that's a great way to listen back and find the tone in your voice because, you know, they do training for this when you're on air a lot, but find a place in your voice that sounds relaxed, that sounds very round and not scratchy. And everybody has one of those places. You just have to kind of find it. And the best way to do that is to watch yourself or listen back to yourself because everybody has a nice voice. You just have to find it out of your nervousness. Where do you go with that? tone is it lower is it higher are you screeching are you you know too soft a lot of people are so quiet you can't quite get what they're saying so those are all things you can listen back to yourself and do your own self critique even but i right. i find when i go into a room at ascend and i hear someone animated they use their hands a little bit it changes everything you know you really can hear and take in the information so much better when someone sounds a little bit excited about what they're saying. Right. That energy is contagious. That's it's so true. Let that passion shine through and uh, you know with the with the audience uh often they reciprocate, right? So mm-hmm. whether it's an official Q&A or whether people are jumping in, you know, I think we all thrive off of getting some of that feedback. Mm-hmm. Even if you're out there and, and you can't look everyone in the eye or it's too much, right? Pick one person right. and look type of thing. But it's great to have that kind of interaction and see, you know, I've, I've, if I have passion about what I'm speaking about, I can see that the people here do, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's why they're here. They want to learn it. And then often yeah. it does result in a lot of great discussion, you know, throughout right. at the end or afterwards, you know, coming up if right. it's a, a one-on-one. I mean, that's what it's about is kind of driving this knowledge sharing and the interaction. And I just love the discussion about community that we've had that seems to pop up in all these examples and everything we're talking about. It's about the community. It's about people right. coming together, common interests. It's getting excited right now. <laughs> Good. So, uh, um, voting for our sessions just ended um, yesterday, and then uh, we'll have uh, sessions selected and acceptance sent out. So, uh, if you can share with us your secret, what you are planning to present, subject to acceptance. Sure. So one of my favorite presentations, if it gets accepted, is the one that I do about proactive support and empowering users. And the reason I like that that presentation is because it's really teaching people how to fish. Um, and it's about, I, I really am very passionate that the end users are the closest to whatever 
whether it's an issue or a challenge or it's a new feature, whatever it is they're trying to solve or trying to learn, the people closest to that are the ones in the best position to learn it. So if you start, for example, if you have an issue and you call IT and then you explain to IT and then they have an SR and then they explain to Oracle and it goes back, you know, down the chain and back up the chain, that's really inefficient. So if you teach your end users how to be self-supporting, um, I think it's a better end result for the entire organization. And I think, you know, years ago when we all first started out, IT was this big mysterious thing. Well, now everybody has phones. Everybody has computers. Everybody is somewhat technical. So they do have the capacity to take care of their own um, jobs. And they most people want to do that. And so teaching them how to do that um, gives them some drive and passion to take their job a step farther. So I really enjoy encouraging them and teaching the end users because, again, it's a user group. It's not a IT group. It's a user group. User. So we should be supporting the users. So I'm really passionate about that. So I, and that's why I like to present personalizations as well because I think it's something that end users can do, particularly the OA framework ones. Um, I have a couple of presentations out there I've submitted on security because I think that's a hot topic. The cybersecurity from a business standpoint, I think um, with COVID, it's a bigger topic now because everybody's working at home. So it's like, okay, what do I have to do to keep that cybersecurity insurance in place? You know, are they going to deny it because I didn't follow the rules, for example? So I have a couple things out there like that that, you know, could be a good full session or a good turbo talk. So you know, we'll see what gets accepted. Um, I always do have my new features presentation out there that, you know, I'll add 12 to 13 things to that as well. So um, we'll just see what gets accepted. I know it's a very, just for the audience in the room, I've been at part of that selection um, committee to, to try to come up with the final list. And it's very difficult because you want a good cross-section. So if you have, you know, 20 people and 30 different Apex presentations, for example, you don't want that many, you know, you got to pick the top five or six of them, and there might be 20 good ones. So just because it doesn't get accepted doesn't mean it's not good. It's because there's a limited number and we need a good cross section to cover as many topics as possible. So, you know, you have to just kind of trust in the selection process and, and, you know, I'll present whatever I need to present based on the content that's out there. So. And to your point, this year we did have a large number of Apex submissions. And also we had a large number of submissions on AI. Mm -hmm. I mean, I almost felt like you can't so many suggestions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I was voting on some of those and I can't even think about how many on remote process automation I saw. It's like, okay, you know, and when I vote, I try to like do groups together. So like I, I do all the Apex together and I do all the RPA together and I do all the, you know. So that I can pick the top one. But I mean, it's not exact. I mean, we do the best we can, right? Um, yeah. You know, we're people too. So, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, we end up with a good cross section that meets the needs of the users. So, yeah, that's good. Um, I'm happy, happy to jump in and pitch in and help anybody else if, if they need me as well. So, let's see you. how it all works out. <laughs> And apart from uh, submissions from uh, the user community, this time we are also having participation from Oracle in mm -hmm. a big way. There's some recent announcements which uh, went out um, of Oracle participation. Uh, so what you're looking forward most to ascend 
in terms of uh, what you are looking forward to learn or looking forward to hear? So I always like to hear the new features from Oracle. Um, I always like to hear about the latest topics like AI and Apex and things like that. I think you do get um, a good amount of information, and I'm a big believer in face-to-face, especially because most of us are remote now. I am not a big, huge fan, I'll be honest, of the remote work style because I think you miss out on that brainstorming. I don't think you can brainstorm over a Zoom call like you can in a room. Um, so I think we miss out on that. So being able to come together and meet people face to face and, you know, it, you, yes, you can ask a question on a webinar, but it's, you can't have a conversation. You can't ask a follow up question. You can't walk out in the hall and continue that conversation and say, Hey, you know, let me, and people are more intimidated to send you an email versus having a conversation with you out in the hall. So I think that face to face is even more important now than it used to be because we're not face to face. And we need that interaction. Um, so I think it's really, really important to get to these events even more so than it used to be. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. I always enjoy it. I always enjoy meeting people. The other thing I enjoy is um, Oracle tends to um, give you a lot of information at a high level because there's so much. They can't go into detail. And then the consultants take it down a level. So I don't think they're conflicting with each other. I think you know, they build on each other and complement each other. Um, and like I said, the detail, you know, people doing the detail presentations can take it to that next level. And having people speak from different perspectives help you learn the material different ways. So I might present the same topic completely different than somebody else. And you really want to hear it both ways because something in one may speak to you and make you understand what the other person said. So you know, I, I just think that face-to-face is very, very beneficial to everyone. It, it's so faci- fascinating to hear you talk about, you know, value of in-person, um, you know, attendance at Ascent, you know, what you're looking forward to. And we already top of the hour. So thank you very much for our podcast um, today. And we are looking forward to Uh, hearing you speak at Ascend and also to meet you in person. Thank you so much, all of you. Thank you all, and be sure to visit the website, ascendusersconference.com, to register for Ascend 2024, June 17th to 20th at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. And visit our our hosts, OATUG at oatug.org and OHUG at ohug.org for more information. Other podcast episodes are there, all kinds of membership information. Remember that the community is an all-year-round experience. It's not just about this conference. There are lots of ways you can practice and present at your local special interest groups or others. There's so much going on within our Oracle community. So that's why we're here. We want you to stay curious and get inspired. And remember that we're here to help you ascend to new heights, elevating your Oracle experience. Oh,